This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements, helping injured people and their families since 1975. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by Allstate, American General, John Hancock, Liberty Mutual, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, the head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations. And once again, we're glad you could join us. Well, consider this. The Center for Disease Control reports that each and every day in the United States, more than nine people are killed and more than 1,150 people are injured in automobile crashes that involve a distracted driver. In the meantime, 77% of adults say they're confident they can safely drive while texting. And in fact, one in five confessed to surfing the web while driving, if you can believe that. 10% of drivers of all ages under the age of 20 who are involved in fatal crashes were reported as being distracted at the time of the crash. And taking your eyes off the road for five seconds while driving at 55 miles an hour equals the length of a football field without ever looking at the road. And distracted driving doesn't just include cell phone use. Listen to this public service announcement, the story of two young women, one who was looking at her GPS while she was driving, and the other whose father was killed by that driver in a matter of a few seconds. I wasn't texting, I wasn't using a cell phone, but I still killed someone. I was 17, prom was coming up, I was ready to leave high school, I was excited about the summer and going off to college. My mom and dad were both teachers and they they met um, at an elementary school where they were teaching. People would describe him as a gentle person. He was my dad. He was a great dad. He was the greatest dad I could have had. I was on my way back from my clarinet lesson. I was hungry, so I was looking at my GPS. All throughout high school, he was there for me every step of the way. He coached me in sports. He was there for every single one of my games. My car drifted into the breakdown lane on the side of the highway, and I hit a man, and I killed him. Um, I'm responsible. That PSA was produced by an organization called NDistractedDriving, or NDD.org. And today we're going to talk to the attorney who started that organization, a man named Joel Feldman, who has been a practicing attorney for more than 30 years and regularly represents those injured or family members of those killed by distracted drivers. Joel created the Casey Feldman Memorial Foundation and the NDD.org website. We're going to be talking to him today about this extremely important subject. And joining me as my co-host today to help along the way is my uh, friend and Ringler colleague, John Wilcox. John is the Ringler associate in the Berwyn, Pennsylvania office. John's been providing structured settlement services for more than 25 years. 
He joined Ringler back in 2013. Of course, I've known him for many, many more years than that. John, welcome to Ringler Radio, and thanks for being my co-host today. Oh, Larry, it's a pleasure to be here. Terrific. Well, Joel, it's, it's great to have you with us, and what we're talking about today is an epidemic problem uh, of distracted driving. Well, Joel, it's so good to have you with us here today. Uh, this is an epidemic problem we're talking about, the, the whole area of distracted driving. And Joel, it's, it's interesting that you've started this organization called NDD.org. Uh, tell us what prompted you to do that. Well, Larry and John, it's, it's great to be here and to be able to share my story with you. I started NDistractedDriving.org in 2009 after my daughter Casey was killed by a distracted driver. She was walking across the street in Ocean City, New Jersey. A 58-year-old man was reaching for his GPS. She was in the crosswalk. He rolled through some stop signs. He hit her, and he killed her. How old was she, Joel? Casey was 21 when she was killed. Wow. Wow. That's tragic, tragic. I, I, we're, we're all, we, we give you our sympathy for sure. But it, it obviously galvanized you to do some uh, some good things in, in her memory. Uh, and I'm sure that the organization NDD.org was one of them. Uh, tell us about the genesis of the organization. Well, initially after Casey was killed, and uh, you know, hopefully none of the listeners that you have on have lost children, but it, it takes a while to try to figure out what to do and how to move forward. And one of the things that kept occurring to me was I used to drive distracted all the time. And as you, as you mentioned, I've been an attorney for years. I've represented people who've had terrible injuries or family members of those who've been killed, often through distracted driving. And I drove distracted all the time. So I kind of looked at that. I kind of thought about Casey. And since she hadn't graduated college, hadn't found a career, she hadn't married, uh, I figured I needed to do something to keep her memory alive, and I wanted to do something to try to lessen the tragedy. So it it was in in that atmosphere, in that climate, that we decided that there was something that we could do uh, with respect to distracted driving awareness. Hey, Joel, it's John. Um, Exactly what constitutes distracted driving? Well, generally what... The U.S. Department of Transportation and other traffic safety folks say is uh, distracted driving is doing anything while you're driving other than the task of driving. Driving, we hope, would be the primary task when people are in cars. There's three types of distracted driving, three categories. One is manual. Are you holding on to the steering wheel? Are you holding on to your phone? Are you taking your hands off the wheel to eat and drink and steer with your knees? Visual, are you looking at the road? Are you looking down at your cell phone? Are you turning to look at a kid in the back seat? And then the last one is cognitive. Uh, what are you thinking about? Because uh, often, even if your hands are on the wheel and your eyes are on the road, if we're not thinking about driving, uh, there's a large measure of a distraction. It's interesting. Uh, y- you know, you've worked as an attorney, Joel, for 30 years and you know, to get the legal community to come together and get involved with an effort is never an easy task, no matter what it is. Uh, how did you do that? How did you get all the, the legal community behind this effort? Well, I started doing talks with the Ocean City, New Jersey Police Department, traffic safety folks in New Jersey. And one day I was 
just talking to an audience of teens, and I just wondered, I just wondered if telling my sad story about how police get killed would really change anyone's attitudes or behaviors. So at that point, I started looking to see if there was a science presentation, if there was a presentation out there that folks had tested for effectiveness, and I actually didn't find one, uh, but in my backyard, literally, is Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. So I, I spoke with them, and they helped develop a distracted driving presentation that has a lot of science behind it and is, is very effective. So taking the scientific presentation, I knew that I couldn't talk to all the folks around the country, primarily kids, but I needed to. So I reached out to the American Association of Justice at an annual meeting to all the trial lawyers, and, and it was amazing. I said, I've got this presentation, but I need your help. And within two weeks, 500 trial lawyers from around the country said, we'll volunteer our time, we'll go into communities for free, and we'll spread the message. Joel, you, you said that you worked with the folks at CHOP, and you developed this interactive, uh, scientifically guided, evidence-based distracting driving awareness program. Uh, t- tell me a little bit more about that so that our listeners understand exactly what you're talking about. Well, I think what most people would understand right off the bat is that as human beings, most of us don't like to be told what to do. And particularly parents would understand that their teenage kids don't like to be told what to do. Um, you know, I, my children are Casey and then her little brother, Brett. And I know anytime I try to tell them what to do or give them unwanted advice, you know, they die or roll their eyes. So part of this was how do you approach teens? So to give you an example, when we walk into an auditorium, I'll just start and I'll say that I don't think distracted driving is just a teen problem. I know that your moms and dads and other adults drive distracted. And I think teens can actually help solve the problem. And so that sets the tone for a better conversation with the teens. And then I tell them, I'm not going to tell anyone here not to use their cell phone when they drive, not to eat, not to put on makeup. You guys are going to make your own decision. And I I pick a, a kid in the front row and I say, if you think that I've told anyone today during the presentation what to do, I want you to stand up and I want you to say, Mr. Feldman, you told us you wouldn't tell us what to do. So those are two things we do at the beginning. And then what we do is we combine um, some science. We talk about how the brain works. We also talk about, um, we do some role play exercises. We get the kids involved uh, and we work on some things. And uh, after Casey was killed, I, I, I received my master's in counseling from Villanova. And uh, I use a lot of those counseling skills in the program, and they're designed into the program because it's all about attitudes and behaviors. Larry, when you did your introduction, you talked about the big discrepancy and gap between people think using the cell phone is dangerous, people think other people shouldn't do it while they're driving, yet nonetheless many of us do. So that's sort of how we, we have the program uh, designed. Well, there's no no question you're raising awareness out there uh especially with the teenage community and the, the, especially the individuals who are beginning the driving experience, uh, you know, and I don't have to tell you, you said it well. I mean, they don't always want to listen, uh, but I think the examples that you, you're giving them uh, with the tragedy in your, of your, own, in your own life uh, hopefully hit home. And I, I know that some of those assemblies, even among the, the folks and the young people in, in the Boston area, when they get these kinds of lectures and, and, and discussions, 
and open-ended uh, uh, discussions about these issues, they do come away with, with some better recognition of what they're supposed to be doing when they're out there in these automobiles. It's, uh, it's quite significant. And, of course, uh, parents have to play a part here as well. And what are you doing there to prevent to have them prevent their own teenagers from driving distracted? I know the parents have to play a role. How are you getting them involved? Well, there are a number of different ways. Sometimes we'll actually do a parent presentation. The night before, we'll do uh, the school presentation. I do a lot of presentations around the country to employers at workplaces. And one thing that we do is when we go into an auditorium and we talk to kids, once they get comfortable with me or any of the other speakers around the country, we ask the kid, how many of your moms and dads drive distracted with you in the car? 70% of the hands go up. I then ask them, how many of you are driven distracted by other parents, your friends' adults, let's say, in a carpool? Even more hands go up. So we have what's called a family-safe driving agreement. We ask the teens to take that family-safe driving agreement home. We ask the teens to go over it with their mom and dad and to uh, make an agreement with the entire family in terms of uh, safe driving. Uh, but it, it's the best way to do it is to have a conversation with the moms and dads, have a conversation specifically with them at their workplace or a community event. And I was in Kansas City last week talking to some moms and dads, and after a little while, a mom told me that her three-year-old daughter has one of those cars that you can sit in and ride around, those little cars. Right. And she has a tantrum now every single time that she gets in the car unless she can hold mommy's cell phone because she wants to be just like mommy. <laughs> wow. Yeah, isn't that the truth? You you know, you know, It's a lot of copycat of what a parent does. And as they always say, you know, do as I do, not not just what I say, and hopefully, you know, the, the children will start to see parents changing their their behavior, and that'll be the best teacher of all. I, I think you're right, Larry. That 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 hits home to me that the parents you're hitting two two birds with one stone when you're talking to the parents. No question about handling their kids as well as themselves. No question about that. You know, you know, Joel. Here's kind of a a, a little bit off topic uh, uh, concept that that some of us have raised, and that is, you know, as the economy has improved a bit and gas prices have fallen. Uh, somewhat dramatically in some areas. I mean, people are driving a lot more. So you've got you got this increase in, in driving and you still have some of these distracted uh, drivers. That, that's got to increase the risk. I mean, that, w- that, that's almost an unforeseen uh, you know, increase in the risk because of the, the falling gas prices, wouldn't you say? It is. Actually, the National Safety Council uh, a couple of months ago, unfortunately noted that there are going to be more traffic fatalities this year than there have been in any year uh, in the past four or five years if the uh, statistics and the frequency continues. Generally, there's about 32,000 people killed each year uh, in motor vehicle crashes. And the way these statistics look uh, back in August, it looks like it's going to be closer to 35,000. Some people have said that uh, as you pointed out, that it's because people are driving more. Some people say that distracted driving is getting worse. Uh, it's going to be something that folks in traffic safety are going to have to try to figure out uh, once the year ends and um, uh, all the statistics come in. But, you know, sometimes people look at this and it's almost like 
we accept the fact that 32,000 people each year are killed in crashes. It's a fact we accept it. Um, those people who are affected by those crashes, like me and all the other folks, uh, we don't accept it. Um, so that gives us some of the impetus to work in many, many states and the federal government are continuing to work uh, on different programs to, to bring down uh, those deaths, to bring down the deaths. I mean, it used to be drunk driving uh, took many more lives than it does today, and there needs to be an effort, uh, a really concerted effort to make sure that we could start bringing down the deaths and crashes due to distracted driving. I know that you've done a lot of um, workplace distracted driving presentations around the country. T- tell me what employers are doing, actually, to deal with this problem, Joel, because it's got to be on their hit list of things to do to keep their place safety. Well, I think, you know, a lot of people say to me, oh, employers want to do this because they don't want to get sued because if their employees are in a crash, the employer will get sued. You know, I, I've rarely had an employer around the country say to me, that's why they want to have me come in and talk to their employees. It's basically because they care about their employees. Most employers think about their employees as part of a large extended family, and they feel responsible for the safety of their employees. So I've found that employers want to have me come in. We go over the family safe driving agreement. A lot of employers will also um, make a donation to our foundation so that I can do this talk in schools and in the locale. So when I do an employer talk or a workplace talk, I'll, I'll typically do two or three different schools in the same area around the country. Um, there are some employers who will have safety awareness days centered around the talk. Uh, they'll take the family safe driving agreement and they'll help challenge their employees. You know, can we get 500 employees and their family members to sign it? Um, uh, sometimes they'll also say, can we sponsor some activities in the community? A lot of our teams today like to make videos, and the teams are really talented. Employers across the country are sponsoring local contests for teams to make PSAs about distracted driving. So I've been very, very yeah. impressed with the efforts of employers and the caring of employers. Yeah, you know, you brought up an issue earlier that the uh, American trial lawyers are uh, heavily involved with you. Are, are they seeing anything with respect to employers and distracted driving as far as lawsuits towards the employer actually being placed by the injured individuals? Well, you know, I've been practicing law for 33 years, and we used to call them negligence cases when people would be distracted when they're driving. Now we seem to call them distracted driving cases. More often it's based upon people using a phone, but uh, there is a greater frequency of distracted driving cases that attorneys are seeing all across the country, all across. Well, you know, I want to take a quick break right now and uh, come back in just a minute with a lot more with uh, Joel Feldman um, and with uh, John Wilcox about this very interesting and topical uh, subject matter of distracted driving. We'll be right back. This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates the leader in the structured settlements profession nationwide. Did you know that Ringler is involved in a third of all structured settlement cases in the country? Ringler Associates works with all the parties in a lawsuit settlement to find the best possible financial solution for the people involved. There's a Ringler Associate in all the major cities of the U.S. No one has more experience than a Ringler Associate. 
Check out our new website at www.ringlerassociates.com for the best information for claimants, legal professionals, and claims personnel, and to find the Ringler Associate nearest you. When it's your interest at stake in a lawsuit settlement, you want only the best financial plan. You can count on Ringler Associates to structure a customized plan that meets the needs of you and your family for the future. Visit RinglerAssociates.com to learn more. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. I'm joined today by my co-host, John Wilcox from Berwyn, Pennsylvania, and our special guest, Attorney Joel Feldman, who practices in the Philadelphia area. Joel, you know, as of June of this year, 2015, more than 250,000 teenagers and adults have participated in the, in your program in over 43 states and Canada. You've had a network of 700 trained volunteer speakers, and you yourself give presentations all over the country from high schools to energy companies and other employers. So what kind of feedback have you received, and uh, what kind of changes are you seeing in the area of distracted driving from your efforts? I have to tell you that for a dad who's lost a daughter, I consider myself very, very fortunate. Uh, I love talking to teens, college students, middle school students, also adults, but I really prefer talking with kids, quite honestly. Um, and I get feedback all the time. I get emails from kids. I'll get uh, text messages from kids who've seen presentations. Uh, I did a talk at Louisiana State University last year uh, to the women's gymnastic team, and uh, they had said that often they would take selfies when they were driving. And for several months after that talk, I would get safe selfies from the members of the team. They'd say, hey, Mr. Feldman, I'm stopped in my car. I'm texting. I'm stopped in my car. I'm putting on my, my nail polish. So I've gotten um, great feedback. I continue to get great feedback. And I'm really optimistic. There's some folks who say, gosh, you know, it's an epidemic. It's not getting better. I'm optimistic from the teens that I speak with and the teens that the trial lawyers across the country speak with when I talk with them, that the teens can get the message. They are getting the message, and they're going to change the way they drive. And one thing I say for the parents who are listening is I tell the teens, you don't have to drive like your moms and dads. <laughs> Isn't that true? Isn't that true? We're all guilty from time to time of doing things. And believe me, having kids in the back seat, they're listening to everything you say, they're hearing, and they're watching everything you do. And if you're doing it, it's it's more than likely than more likely than not that the kids are going to follow suit. So yeah, that's very important. You know, Joe, let's talk a little bit about technology in automobiles, moving down the highway, moving down the road time-wise as well. You know, I had, a, I had a young person say to me the other day, boy, I can't wait for these driverless cars to really hit the highway because I can sit there and play with my, you know, video games and do my texting while the car is rolling down the highway. Now, I know it's, uh, it's kind of prototypical and there's prototypes out there, but uh, how, do you, how do you feel that whole area is going to impact what you're trying to do and and maybe talk about some other technological advances that are coming down the road that might impact what you're doing. Well, over the last three or four months, I've attended a number of traffic safety conferences across the country, some in Washington, Chicago, Virginia. Uh, and uh, the engineers have come in and they've talked about the driverless cars. 
And most people in the traffic safety community are very optimistic that the driverless cars one day will take uh, the biggest factor in crashes out of the equation, and that's driver error. Uh, I'm not certain whether or not you know, a driverless car will allow people to play video games as we're driving down the highway or not, but, but people think that it, ultimately when they get the bugs worked out of it, uh, we will be a lot safer. Now, the age of a car today is roughly about 10 years, the average age of cars across the country. So uh, projections are that around 2022, 2025, uh, the driverless cars are going to start to be sold. So it's not going to be until 2030, 2035, the bulk of the cars in the country are driverless. So assuming that they do make a big difference, we still have a lot of people who are going to be in crashes, and a lot of people killed, a lot of family members lost. If we don't work harder and do things now, you know, immediately and for the foreseeable future. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, John and I happened to have been in South Florida a few weeks ago, and, and going to dinner, we saw a lot of driverless cars, but turned out to be a short little women in the front seat. We couldn't see them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Joel, 39 states and D.C. now uh, prohibit texting and driving. And I know that 10 states plus D.C. prohibit drivers from using handhelds. Um, is there any kind of new legislation, or legislation rather, pending that pertains to preventing distracted driving? Well, um, at a minimum, every state should have a, a, a law that says you can't text, but it, it's more than texting. Every state should have a law that says that you shouldn't be able to uh, use your handheld device for what any purpose. And as you pointed out, uh, there's only about 14, well, it's about a dozen states now it prohibits drivers from using handheld electronic devices. Um, the National Safety Council, the NTSB, they've called for a total ban on cell phone use in the car, handheld or hands-free, because we probably don't have time to talk about it. Hands-free, Bluetooth cell phone use is not really safe because you're still cognitively distracted. In terms of specific legislation nationally, uh, there is nothing. Uh, people are hoping that the same way the federal government uh, mandated that the uh, blood alcohol level for drivers uh, not exceed 0.08, they're hoping that the federal government one day will take the lead in this and and, uh, and help states enact uh, uniform laws that will reduce distractions across the board, not just texting, but all distractions. Well, you know, Joel, in uh, in New England, where, where I live, uh Connecticut changed its law to prohibit a handheld device, and you had to have Bluetooth. And uh, so I, I got that that Bluetooth, you know, uh, addition to my car. Uh, what's even more important than a Bluetooth addition to my car? There was my wife. If my wife's in the car with me, she won't let me even come near the phone. So uh, I think. Part of it is laws that that are there, but you know, you often see people breaking the law uh, because that's easier for them to try to do what they're trying to do. But I think if there's Bluetooth in the car, and I think John probably will concur with this, you know, so much goes on in the automobile in terms of conversation in, in a business sense, it's going to be tough to prohibit the use of Bluetooth, which hopefully keeps your hands on the wheel and, and allows you to be cognitively interested in the road. Uh, but I don't think we can expect uh, prohibition of Bluetooth 
uh, phone use while in the car. Is that something, Joel, that you, you actually think will come about? I don't know if it will come about or not. I hope it does. But I can tell you that there are a number of companies, a number of Fortune 500 companies that have gone along with the NSP and the NTSB recommendations for a total ban in their cars. That would be, uh, I can just mention a couple off the top of my head, Merck, Dow, Johnson, uh, Abbott, uh, Purdue. And you know what these companies are finding? They're finding that they have not lost productivity, which is the claim. I need my car for business. I need to make phone calls. But these companies are finding that there is no significant loss of productivity, and they're actually finding that the employees are, are they concentrate better because, you know, just think about it. If you're on the phone, you're, you're, you know, I drive the Pennsylvania Turnpike a lot, and I used to drive it distracted. I'd be on a, a Bluetooth conversation, and I wouldn't remember the trip. I wouldn't remember what I passed. Sometimes I'd miss an exit, and I know later on with my clients, I'd be asking them questions that they had already told me the answer to when I was talking to them on the phone. So um, there's going to be more studies that are coming out and showing that uh, we don't need to be talking in our cars while we're driving in order to be productive. You know, these these um, Bluetooth systems now are getting even more complicated uh, Joel, and I know that you can get texting pops up on your screen and you have a constant barrage of distractions coming in from your Bluetooth system. It's not just about a phone call anymore. Are you seeing anything that people are talking about that element as well? Uh, yes. What we're seeing is that car manufacturers are adding dangerous technology to cars, just like you talked about, John. You can now, in some models, get voice text. You can make text while you're driving. Uh, you can hear your, you can hear stock quotes and things. Uh, some manufacturers, fortunately, are saying that you can only do that when the car is in drive and it's stopped. But other manufacturers are taking the position that if it's voice activated and it's hands-free, that it is and should be safe. But the studies are not showing that it's safe. And, and unfortunately, you know, I'm a lawyer and I see that there are going to be lawsuits against manufacturers that build these dangerous distractions into cars and allow drivers to use them when the car is not drive. You know, the other thing I saw last night was an advertisement from a car company who is, you know, pounding their chest saying, we're the best because we can actually let you get on the internet from our car. And I mean, that, that to me sounds scary. Well, well, I agree with you. Again, it's are they going to allow you to get on your Internet in your car while your car is driving down the road? I have no problem if, if they make it so that you can be on the Internet in your car if your car is in drive. That's fine with me. Um, with respect to voice activation we talked about, I don't have a problem so much if it's related to GPS or if it's related to windshield wipers or climate control if they get the bugs out of the systems because those are things that are related to driving. But do you really want to be driving down the road while somebody is texting their girlfriend, looking at stock quotes, accessing Facebook? I don't think we do. I, I agree with you 100%, uh, Joel. I think I think it's it's where we're headed. We we have to have some uh, restrictions on some of these activities. It, it, it is going to go a little overboard. And you know, I do know in my own car, the GPS won't allow me to to to, to work with it while I'm driving the car. I can only do it while I'm stopped. Uh, doesn't mean I haven't tried, <laughs> you know, which is the problem. We, we all, 
it, it, it's easy to to advocate for these issues as a general public, but you know a lot of us from time to time uh, slip up. So what would you how would you uh, what would you say to the general public about what they can do to to prevent distracted driving? If you're a mom or dad, you should know that once your kid is in a forward-facing car seat, they're watching you drive and they're learning how to drive from watching you. Kids whose parents drive distracted are two to three times more likely to drive distracted. It's just a fact. There are two things we can do. We, we can change the way we drive. I would hope adults would want to drive distraction-free for themselves, but at a minimum, be the driver you want the team to be, be the driver you want the preschool kid to be, uh, drive safe each and every time your kid's in the car, and then if you see someone else driving distracted, just as you wouldn't let someone else drive drunk, why would you let someone drive distracted? So friends don't let friends drive drunk. Friends shouldn't let friends drive distracted. Those are the ways we can all keep safer. Hey, Joel, uh, I know Casey's your everyday inspiration. Um, what have you personally taken away from all this? I've, I've taken away from all of this, that um, mainly from the teens, because I speak mostly with the teens, that we have a generation of teens that really, really care about each other. Uh, some experts say our millennials are the most caring generation. And what I've taken away is if you approach teens right, the teens will look at this and they'll say, you know what, I don't want to drive like my mom and dad. I want to be a good role model for my younger brothers and sisters. I don't want them to learn distracted driving from me, and I have to teach them the way to do it because moms and dads, my mom and dad, are not doing it right. So that's why I get optimistic about this. I get optimistic that the teens are going to exercise their independence, and they're going to change the way they drive, and they're going to drive the rest of us to change the way we drive so we'll all be safer. Well, you know, Joel, uh, you went through a tragic, tragic uh, event with the death of your daughter, and uh, it's, I guess it's, it's some respite to know that you're, you're bringing such education and such changing, hopefully, of, old, of habits that are, that are dangerous for all of us uh, through her memory. And I think that's got to make you feel somewhat uh, blessed by that. And as we end this now, uh, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, Joel, to really learn more about your organization and about the, the good work that you do, how would they do that? The simplest way is to just to go to our website, and you can find it at enddistracteddriving.org. And you can find out about our, the presentations that we give free to high schools, colleges. You can find out about our workplace presentations. You can download the Family Safe Driving Agreement. And you can learn a lot of things about distracted driving that hopefully will keep them and their families and those they care about safer. Terrific, terrific. And John, if someone wanted to contact you, how would they do that? They can simply catch me on the Ringler website. Uh, it's jwilcox at ringlerassociates.com. Terrific. And uh, all of you out there know that you can reach any Ringler Associate on ringlerassociates.com. It's a terrific website. It's got a lot of great information about not only structured settlements, but about a lot of the subject matter that even we, we were talking about here today. So uh, you can also find all the Ringler radio shows on ringlerassociate.com, and you can find them on ringlerradio.com, legaltalknetwork.com, or you can go to iTunes and download any of the shows, including this one. And uh, listen on your iPad, uh, hopefully not distracted, in your car while you're driving along. So with that, uh, Joel, I want to thank you again for being our guest today. It was terrific. Thank you, Larry and John. I appreciate it. And John, thanks for being a terrific co-host. 
Uh, it's always a pleasure being with you, Larry. Terrific. And uh, for all the rest of you out there, have a great day and do not drive distracted. Thanks. Bye-bye. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. With over a million listeners, Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements. Visit ringlerassociates.com today. Today.